KSBY 91.3 FM. It's the morning show with Daedalus and Takeshi. Yeah. We're here. We're here with David Lee Roth. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Giant butt vampires and Betty Boob. That is a, a, a lyrical um, like assault. <laughs> um, does he mean vampire? You know, that's a great question. Uh, he may have been trying to reach for that. Yeah. Um, but the rhyme uh, that he comes back to, I think, is something about fire. So a vampire fire. You know, you, you, oh. You, uh, okay. So, yeah, I could see how vampire would be a touchstone. But I think, ultimately, he was just making it all up as he went along. Oh, boy, the 80s. The 80s were amazing, man. <laughs> you know? You try to find a walk-down baseline with that kind of velocity surrounding it. <laughs> right. Sammy Hager. What BS. <laughs> what a square compared to Dave Lee Roth. Yeah, Van definitely. Halen, they should have just hung it up and become studio guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, but they just couldn't say no to all the money. How could you? Yeah. I mean, that's why we're here, Yeah, obviously. Yeah, totally. On the morning show, the Thursday morning show, the only one you need to see or hear or do whatever, uh, Shadow out to our guys in Auckland in Wellington down in New Zealand thank you very much for keeping the numbers high and mighty and uh, to pay you back we have a huge lineup I mean a vast show of proportion and dimension Finn Taylor he's the director of Unleashed we'll be calling him this is a film I actually saw last week in uh, San Rafael this is about uh, I'm going to just lay it out Kate Maguchi are you familiar with the comedian she's amazing no uh, she's uh. she's part of a duo called uh, Garfunkel and Oates okay you right, can see right. the gag there right? and uh, they do uh, funny songs and she's a funny lady uh, but she also is the star and a great actor a ga- actor in this flick about a lonely woman whose pets transform into men <laughs> due to some celestial shenanigans. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. Her cat and her dog um, go through a supernatural change and come back as human men, and she has her kind of choice. It gets weirder, if you can yeah, imagine. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> pretty, uh, odd. Yeah, it's a romantic comedy. Yeah, I don't know how to act about it right now. I, I realize now, in the telling of it out loud, why certain scenes that I thought should have happened didn't. I'm like, <laughs> right, because those were her pets. That would be weird. Yeah, okay. kind of creepy. <laughs> Lori Morrison, she's the author of uh, Lori, The Disintegration of My Ordinary Reality. She'll be calling in, and this is a kind of a, a very interesting book about um, her experience going through PTSD and all yeah. that, but finding a route through it that I think um, a lot of us uh, may not have anticipated as a possibility for (laughs) finding uh, an alternative healing path. She becomes psychic, basically. Oh, really? Dude, yeah, there's Mayans. No, I'm not kidding. There's Mayans and stuff. It's crazy. Uh, Tal M. Klein will be calling in. Uh, He uh, has a book out that is going to be made into a movie, I think, by uh, Lionsgate. So uh, thus spoke the Hollywood Reporter. So, yeah, we'll check that out. And then Takeshi has prepared a very special segment. Um, And edited. (laughs) Heavily. (laughs) Put a lot of work into this one. Um, As you guys may know, uh, we're doing a movie you can check out at uh, pillheadmovie.com. And Takeshi is uh, the man behind the sound of that movie and that sound included uh, a recent uh, fundraising event whereupon uh, we had some of the cast and crew present for Pillhead and uh, Takeshi conducted interviews uh, and miraculously though we were at a wine bar and it was late he pulled something out of it that, <laughs> that apparently is worth listening to so it's, it's pretty entertaining it's pretty funny I know you wouldn't do it otherwise so uh, so it's going to be a cool segment and uh, we'll talk a little more about that movie and what happened <laughs> uh, that night what it sounds so crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. Pillheadmovie.com. And then Julie Cavallero and Monica Quartz return. Uh, yeah. 
Filmer West Vineyards. Now, not only do they make great wines, but they have great box seats at the Filmer West, apparently. <laughs> Takeshi, yes, yes. Yeah. So Takeshi will give his formal shout-out uh, to them. Uh, yeah, when definitely. They make the return visit. So that's the show, man. It's a big show. You know, I, I noticed that we're both wearing, um, I'm oh, wearing yeah. the Sarah video shirt. <laughs> I've got the, 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 the Labyrinth wow. shirt. Wow. Hey, yeah. It just happened to pop up and so on. That's so cool. Yeah, we got the, we yeah. got the local fashion going here. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I noticed in those interviews, uh, the segments that I, I pulled, when I get a little tipsy, I, I start kind of going, <laughs> so I had to kind of cut all those out. You're doing the goat? <laughs> <laughs> Nah, it's really all my fault. No, nah, so. you're great. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's just your style. It's a good style. All right. Well, we've got Finn Taylor on the line here. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? We're having a wonderful morning. This very early morning. What are you doing getting up so early, man? <laughs> it was your choice to call this early. Yeah, your PR person made this happen. We don't even do the show this early. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Uh, Finn Taylor, uh, director, uh, writer-director of Unleashed, uh, starring Kate Miguchi. Uh, a really fun romantic tale uh, of the supernatural, I suppose we could say in some ways. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, a real, uh, you know, a real sweet kind of uh, panacea for all that ails in this strange and wicked age in which we live. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. I saw one of the screenings that you spoke at in San Rafael, I think last week or the week before. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, at the uh, Rafael Theater there. Uh, really a great ride, and what's been awesome about seeing that flick is that uh, the conversation between my girlfriend and I about it has continued. We keep referring back to it, and every time we see a cat, we're like, that's him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think... Um, you know, amongst the many things about the film that, you know, having traveled around the country that people respond to is um, the actors' performances. I mean, Justin Chatwin, who plays the cat, uh, is just, he spent three weeks working with an animal movement coach <laughs> to teach him animal movement. He was totally method about it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's he's just amazing in the film. Yeah, the entire cast was very impressive in the, the commitment they made. So, I, I before we came into the segment, we talked a little bit about uh, what the film was about, but we'll just go over it real quick for those just tuning in. Uh, Kate Miguchi yeah. is a heartbroken young woman. She's gone through some some stuff and some stressors, and makes the big move to San Francisco and takes her cat and dog with her. But uh, uh, one night, some crazy stuff goes on in the heavens, and her pets, a cat and a dog, respectively, awake as humans and. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. say uh, a love triangle of a sort kind of develops, uh, <laughs> but but uh, it's it's really a screwball and fun and very cleverly written and deployed. But like you're saying, the the performances are just stellar, and I, I was particularly taken with uh, Justin Chatwin. I mean, I, I think he's everyone's yeah. kind of favorite. Steve Howey, of course, is also brilliant. But uh, yeah, there's something about cats, man. You <laughs> and the internet. I, I yeah. think. Uh, yeah, it's it, it seemed to make sense to me. I had, you know, over the years I'd seen a lot of ones where they've had humans turn into animals, and I thought, well, wouldn't the reverse be a lot more interesting? Uh, and I've just known so many people who, no matter where they are in life, you know, if they're having a hard time at work or even going through divorce, uh, the, the animal is sometimes the one person in their life that they can rely on and, uh, you know, can relate to. It's, and uh, I'd always thought, why has this particular film never been made? And, um, you know, there's, I really love films from the past. Uh, you know, I, I thought of uh, 
comedies made in the 30s during the Depression mm-hmm. or um, rom-coms in the 80s, but they always had the man having his fantasy come true. And this time I wanted it to be a woman at the center of it, having her fantasies come true. Yeah, you totally nailed it right there, too. Uh, the, the two touchstones that I kind of went to after seeing uh, uh, Unleashed were uh, Big with Tom Hanks and then Splash, yeah. also with Tom Hanks. Yeah. And, yeah. and like you're saying, it's it's kind of the dude's story, um, but with these sort of fish-out-of-water characters surrounding them and you know these uh, you know, sort of uh, magical people that come into a person's yeah. life. And I, I think that kind of reversing the polarity was really... Uh, a great gift for film goers, yeah. and uh, Kate well, McGucci is just she's so sweet and wonderful, and and uh, just how did you connect with Kate? You know, I um, we were going out to different actresses, some some fairly well known ones, but they were all sort of um, kind of the typical leading leading woman, sort of the uh, blonde, right. you know, beautiful, uh, you know, perhaps ex model type and I was really looking for an every woman and speaking of um, Splash I thought about how the lead was a comedic actor who playing the straight role right? and the comedic role was played by a dramatic actress um, and, I, and I, I was drawn to that idea so I, I had the idea of a comedian in mind but um, I saw her a video of her speaking about her art Kate yeah and it really struck me that, aside from her comedic talents, she has a really special quality as a person that kind of comes through the lens on screen. Yeah, I'd say you're right. And There's an implicit, yeah. implicit humanity that really reads, and she can make the uh, most subtle line read seem so real and authentic. You know? yeah. It was really it was great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. On the set, you know, there were two things about her that sort of say everything about her. One day, her dad, um, you know, is a, works as a contractor day-to-day. She flew her parents out, her mom and dad, and I was doing a scene with a taco truck in an alleyway, and I said, well, let's have your parents be in the scene. And the parents were having so much fun, and I looked over, and Kate was, you know, crying tears of joy because her parents were having such a good time in the scene. And, uh, and then on the last day of the shoot, typically, like, maybe the producer will give an actor a gift or vice versa, but she's <clears throat> Kate's a talented artist. She sells her paintings for you know, thousands of dollars in gallery, but she had painted 90 paintings by hand, one for every member of the crew. Oh, wow. Which what? Which is like, yeah, isn't that crazy? It's like, you know, I've never seen anything like that on a set, and I've been making movies for over 20 years. How generous. Wow. Yeah. And she, you know, yeah. her, you can watch her Netflix series with her uh, uh, songwriting and uh, performing partner, whose name is sadly is beyond me right now. Uh, uh, Ricky Lindholm. Yeah. yeah. And they're just, she's just such a great all around performer. So it was really cool to see her spread her wings a bit and be able to inhabit a, a character that wasn't based entirely on herself, right? Because yeah. uh, in her Netflix series, they kind of play versions of themselves. And so. Yeah. And uh, since, since we shopped, she's been. Uh, She's been in Don't Think Twice, uh, The Little Hours, and she's now shooting yet another film where she's the lead, but I, uh, our film was the first one uh, that she's done where she was the lead of the film. That's so great, man. Well, good yeah. for you for having an eye for talent. And um, <laughs> So um, the impetus to write Unleashed, where did this come from, this, this dog um, and cat? Well, a, yeah, a couple of places, but a big one of them is I have a lot of women friends in their 40s and 50s who have told me about the travails of online dating where they feel (laughs) 
you know, very commodified. It's all about, you know, how tall are you? What do you weigh? What do you look like? How much money do you make? We're sort of, we're sort of distilled down to everything but the important stuff. And I thought, animals don't care about any of that. They really respond to the essence of who you are. You know, they're, right. they're wary of people that aren't so great, and they can tell a good person from a mile away. And, um, you know, I kind of thought... If we could, if we could sort of accept each other the way they accept us, uh, that would be pretty amazing. That would be, you know. Well, that's not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not in reality, but uh, hence fiction. You know, I guess. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a bit much every time he came home. Somebody's like, "Oh my God, Finn's here! Finn's here! He's been gone for an half hour. I'm so excited he's back home." Yeah. So, uh, which begs the question: Are you a cat or dog person? You know, I always get asked that. Well, growing up. I had a cat, okay. huge cat, and I always wanted a dog. I was never allowed to have a dog. And uh, so I would say at the moment, I'm kind of a dog person, though I'm very much both. You know, my friends always tease me because I can't walk down the street and pass a dog without, you know, stopping and petting it and talking to it. So, uh, um, you know, that's, I've never owned a dog, so I'd say that's my my un unlived fancy at this point you know and i think it's good to be kind of kind of animals like that because you never know given your film they might just flip into humans at any moment <laughs> so at least you got some back <laughs> yeah the next i know that this just happened a week of the release and it's like you know i can imagine all of a sudden a bunch of people started appearing like you know, hanging out in trees and stuff like that. Oh my <laughs> goodness! I have to see this movie. Yeah, I think to get you know, I think I'm already sold. I'm yeah. sold. Hey, speaking yeah, speaking of, of the release, so I, I know it's still playing in Bay Area theaters, and which also great, by the way, for people out there uh, listening. Uh, it, this is shot all over the Bay Area, and yeah, I, I, I lived in a few of the neighborhoods you worked in, and well, put well done there, stitching Berkeley and Oakland and San Francisco together in a seamless <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. real estate. Well, I'm I'm going with the History created by films like The Graduate <laughs> and Bullet, where uh, right. you're not making a documentary, so just uh, you know, play the whole field at once. Yeah, I I, I kind of have fun doing that. I, I thought you did a good job. It's I, I mean, it was pretty seamless, and then I'm like, Fairyland's not in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Exactly. But yeah, so was exactly. this a day and date release? Are you streaming this yet online, or is it uh, coming? Yeah, yeah, you. The film is available on on demand, um, iTunes. Uh, Amazon and this newer thing called Voodoo. Oh yeah! So it's available on all those platforms, which is kind of the new Vogue. We're really happy to get a theatrical as well, but uh, really um, these days it's all about on demand and online. Ain't that the truth? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so great. Well, congratulations, uh, Finn Taylor, on uh, writer director of Unleashed. You've done a, a, re a really great film, and I think a service to both humanity and the world of felines and canines. Um, and hopefully, we'll all <laughs> get together. You, <laughs> Thank you, man. Um, I, I love that there in Sonoma. We I was up there uh, for the Sonoma Film Festival and have been back a couple of times for special screenings and. Uh, I, I love that town. Yeah, man. Well, I'm sure we'll talk again. And uh, uh, congrats again. And, and everyone go out there and get it. Amazon, Voodoo, iTunes, and where else? Uh, did I get them all? Uh, Voodoo, iTunes, Amazon, and On Demand. It will be the best comedy you've seen in five years. 
In the, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I'm very intrigued. I got to check it out. Yeah, Takeshi never gets intrigued, so you, you, yeah. did, you pulled something off here, man. <laughs> well, nice talking to you, fan. We'll talk again. Thanks, guys. All Thank right. you. Bye, man. Okay, bye-bye. All right, sir. Well, there you go, Takeshi. That's that's on your movie list yeah, of things to do. Yeah, definitely it is. And now it's time to take a break. KSVY 91.3 FM. Oh, what is this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Little Pixies. Keep rocking.
show, The Drama Club, featuring the vocals of Karen Hell, who is very likely out there listening somewhere, Takeshi. Oh, yes. So watch out, man. Watch what you say about her, dude. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I know. La Drama Club is now on Spotify, too. That's right. That's, that's the first radio hit released there. Now on Spotify, La Drama Club, L-E Drama Club. Go check it out. Watch out for that umlaut over the U, by the way. But that's French exchange student boyfriend. More tracks will be coming. La Drama Club, of course, was the conceptual art conception uh, and execution of a fake 80s new wave band perpetrated by Karen Hell and myself, who are also preparing elements for the soundtrack of Pillhead, the movie. Yes. <laughs> which Takeshi is also involved in. Um, and we'll be hearing segments from uh, uh, interviews that uh, Takeshi conducted uh, a few weeks ago. Yes, with some heavy editing. <laughs> M- mostly myself. Good times, though. Yeah, uh, I-, I had to take out some of the bad jokes. I <laughs> What? Takeshi and bad jokes? <laughs> Impossible. Right. <laughs> but that was quite a night. So we had a launch party uh, for the kickoff of uh, Appealhead, you know, casting crew and kind of galvanizing what we're doing and, and our Indiegogo, which you can check out if you go to pillheadmovie.com. There's links there. But um, we're having a, a fine time putting this movie together, but mostly it's the drinking together. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. At fancy wine bars in Petaluma <laughs> that uh, has been uh, the most fun thus far until we got on set. And, and when we get on set, it's going to be really be very fun. crazy, totally crazy. But yeah. but uh, you were Takeshi was fact checking, if it, as it were, um, a new device he had acquired, a uh, four track um, digital recorder. Oh yes, such yes. a brilliant uh, um, addition to your arsenal, sir. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I mean, uh, the Zoom H. Uh, six, I think is what it's, what it's called. Just to get four tracks simultaneously um, yeah. it's in, in different channels that you can actually It's all mix. separate, which is great. So cool. I, I love it. Huge asset for... Uh, I bought off some crackhead for like uh, 200 bucks. <laughs> that crackhead's listening, by the way. He's like, oh man, I gotta get that back. <laughs> I gotta get him. <laughs> he, took, he, he took my money. I drove like a good two hours out of the way, not including traffic. To crackhead land. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond Richmond and stuff. Oh. Oh, my God. oh, you're really, really yeah, out there. Yeah. Wow. Way, way, way out there. Yeah. You've risked, you risk life and limb. It gets dodgy out, <laughs> out that way. Any Anything off the five, just don't stop on 580, I think, is the rule. Yeah, yeah. Until was, yeah definitely. Until you get to Berkeley. And then you can stop in 580 in Berkeley unless you're a Nazi. <laughs> right. And then they'll kick your ass deservedly. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> watch out. So Tal M. Klein might be calling in. Uh, he's a gentleman with a new book out uh, and that will look like it'll be picked up and turned into a movie. Uh, he'll be calling in in just a bit. And then we have our Pillhead interview segments. And then Julie Cavallero and Monica Quartz from Fillmore West. And Michael Pinsky will be here with Oh, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, good old Michael Pinsky, who was on last week. One that helped out with it. They're going to do a little bit more than just bring us some wine, too. Oh, yeah? What are you going to do? You'll see. Yay. Because Michael always wants to do something a little bit different. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Unlike Sam Katuri. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you, Sam. Oh, yeah. No, I mean in a good way. <laughs> He's at least, you know, consistent. Right. right. <laughs> you know, great wines all around. Good stuff. <laughs> right. Well, until I think uh, Mr. Klein calls, I think we should rock out some more. Um, what do you want to hear? I was thinking Lady Stardust. Yo, yeah. Right, there we nice go. Nice call, there dude. Go. All right. Here we go. A little David Bowie on KSVY.
shadows to watch this creature bear. Boys stood upon their chairs to make their point of view. Back, little lady stardust from David Bowie. That's right. Unfortunately, still dead, Mr. Bowie. He's going <sighs> to fix that, though. I got a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know? I remember listening to this uh, rather uh, terrible interview, uh, oddly enough, for, with Terry Gross on Fresh Air with Mr. Bowie. Um, now, Ms. Gross is awesome and a brilliant uh, interviewer generally, but she had a bit of a stumble talking to Bowie about uh, his discolored eye. Or, oh, right, right. His, his two different eye colors. One, I guess discolored is a little harsh to say, but uh, it, it, it had changed its uh, its it, color. It's dilated 24-7. Yeah, yeah, and due to an injury. And so... Uh, Gross asked him, uh, so does that affect your seeing? And, oh, yes, I and, remember and that. And like, well, yes, Terry, I, it does, <laughs> because it's my eye. <laughs> Wait, was this a 70s interview when he's talking? And he's, um, this show is t- his, um, his head in a TV. I don't know, actually. Oh, yeah. okay. It, 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 I heard the first time I heard the interview was in Santa Monica 15 years ago, so it's definitely an older one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Strange days, strange days indeed. Well, Takeshi, I got a feeling that we're gonna we're gonna have to just say, Mister Klein, call another day. He's gonna call it. We should probably take a break. All right, fine. <laughs> I just got a feeling. On? On. Authors are bad. At- And we're back on the morning show, the only morning show that matters here in Sonoma. I'm Daedalus Howell. That's Takeshi Lewis. It's 91.3 FM and KSVY.org. If you're streaming us live all over the world, which you are in Auckland and Wellington, New Zealand, again, the numbers are huge and vast. It's weird because it's like nighttime over there, so this is their evening show. Yeah, and I and our podcast actually use hashtag New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been picking up. That's so awesome. <laughs> we've been picking up more subscribers now. <laughs> 
<laughs> Ed Auckland. Oh, I love it. I believe it until it's true. That's what I say. That's so great. Well, speaking of believing until it's true or truth uh, that, that, that is amazing and, and worth believing, we have Lori Morrison. She is the author of Lori, the, the Disintegration of My Ordinary Reality on the Line. Lori, how are you? I'm great, guys. How are you this morning? Good, good. We're so happy to have you on the air. Now, this is a this is a killer book, and I'm, I'm going to uh, go by uh, some of the um, acclamations for it on the back of the cover here. A blow-by-blow account of what happens when a modern woman's comfortable earthly reality is shattered by an explosive awakening to a vast unseen dimension and the haunting call of an ancient Mayan priestly legacy, which I think is a nice gloss of some of the things that happen in this book, but not certainly all of the things, because this is this, you had some pretty wild experiences. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, this is a autobiography. Right? Uh, you know, Lori, what's the best way to frame this book? Because these are things that happened to you, but I know that you decided to position it a little differently in the market. Yes, you know, I um, I, I lived a very normal life, very left brain, you know, New York banker. I went off to Central America and started a, a business. I was in the wine business, actually, so very connected to Sonoma and Napa oh, Valley. Yeah. And I, um, you know, did my, I guess, earthly thing. And um, all of a sudden, after my husband died, a year after that, a lot, I lived on a very remote piece of land on a volcanic lake in El Salvador. Mm-hmm. And a lot of very strange phenomena started occurring in this place where I lived. And, of course, I had no framework to even get that. Right. <laughs> and um, so as it, went, as it turned out, I ended up being hit by a beam of um, light. It was... It was a evening after there had been a large, um, like a lightning storm that day, mm-hmm. and when I, I was gone for three hours, and when I came back into consciousness, I saw the world through the perspective of sacred geometry. Now, when you say sacred, ge- sacred geometry, we're saying visually you were able to see sort of the seams and sinews of what makes our reality. Is that correct? Correct. So I saw the human experience through a different lens. In fact, it was coming, I, I found out later after lots of research and study about what had happened to me, that it was coming through probably a fourth or fifth dimensional perspective. So, for example, even to this day, when I look up at the night sky, I see the stars as triangles. I don't see them as little dots like most people do. And I can also see into the different levels of the body and also um, understand emotion from you know, the people's emotions and other um, aspects of the human being through a different vision or like a, a different lens. Now, there's nothing in Western medicine, so far as I know, that knows how to interpret this phenomena, uh, because you'd gone through these experiences, uh, perhaps there's some PTSD associated with that, and and now you have this ability. How do we quantify this in, in, in our layman's terms here, or is this something that we can't account for in Western medicine? Well, again, that is, that's the big dilemma here. And like you say, in Eastern um, medicine or Eastern worlds, they have a perspective on this. They, they are able to recognize this in human beings when they've had these experiences or are just evolving into this type of perception of the world. Um, the Western system doesn't have that. We try to pathologize things. That's what happened to me. I ended up in two mental hospitals because my perspective of the world did not suit the culture and the you know the 
the, the norm, I guess, of what, how people should be seeing things. Right. And in ancient and, cultures, of course, you would just become a shaman. Right. I mean, right. You'd be a shaman or you'd <laughs> right. be a guru or someone like that. Yeah. And um, so all of a sudden, you know, I was thrown into this. You know, I was I had seven diagnoses. I was um, borderline schizophrenic, bipolar, um, disassociative behavior, um, PTSD. You know, they just threw up all kinds of labels on me. Mm-hmm. But in truth, I was just in a different state of being. And in fact, they say a much more enlightened state of being. So when I when I finally got out of the mainstream medical you know place right. and moved into a spiritual view of what I had, all you know, like you said, I all of a sudden, oh wow, you have shamanic, you can do shamanic practices. I one of the things that I um, inherited was I was able to see inside the body, so I was able, I had some intuition about what was wrong with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I could heal them. And so there was there was a benefit to this, although uh, modern society usually shuts it down through medication. And so we could really use your help here because I have no idea what's wrong, what's wrong with Takeshi, but I know clearly there is something wrong with him. <laughs> Just if you could indulge me, what's up with that dude? I, <laughs> nah, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, but, Over the phone. Can you figure this out right now? <laughs> but, but, so, Live. <laughs> Live. Right away. It, it seems like you had to go through a lot of self-acceptance to uh, understand and appreciate uh, what you had inherited and, and not think that you were crazy. How, how did you go through that process? How did you take those first steps to saying, you know, this is just me now. This isn't uh, me insane. Yeah, you know, I, I I think the only way out of this, and, 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 and I'm not the only one, you know, there's now that I've this has happened to me now with the book out and so successful you know people are are writing to me every day about their own experiences and so you know there's there's an emerging crowd of of people that I realize have have had these experiences so but what helped me was having mentors Mm -hmm. I was very lucky to have a really a world-class psychic work with me on um, why why I could talk to you know dead people (laughs) um, all of a sudden and why I saw spirits hanging out in, you know, my dining room table, and then I also, then she also shared a friend of hers who was a third generation shaman from Haiti, who worked with me on the shamanic aspects of what I had inherited. And lastly, um, I worked with another shaman um, in Sedona, where I now live, and she worked with me through accepting this, you know, the power and the energy that I had inside of me, and how to use this energy. And uh, and then I did have an experience in um, Colombia mm-hmm. with a group of shamanic practitioners, and kind of in a very remote part of Colombia, who spent two weeks with me. It's in the book. It's pretty wild and crazy. Um, but they did a lot of clearing um, for so that I could, you know, create the framework and create some balance and kind of bring back a very fragmented self at that time because it does literally blow your mind. And, and so we would, you know, I can understand why people get the diagnoses as, you know, mentally ill, but unfortunately it's the wrong framework to, you know, to place this. And then are you happy now? Do you, I mean, do you feel integrated, having been disintegrated? Yes, you know, it, it's um, that's kind of part of the process. You know, it's kind of the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell, mm-hmm. you know, writes about in that, you know, you have to, you know, you have to kind of be destroyed to be reborn. Right. And um, and the destruction process is 
pretty tumultuous. You'll see in my book it was it was very heavy. Um, but then when you come out on the other side, you you just have a whole different perspective on life, on the human experience, and you open open yourself up to the support from the spiritual world and from the spiritual um, realm. Um, and you know you work with that. You work with the energy. You work with um, you know the. The, the interaction between them, you know, the different uh, possibilities that exist, and it really becomes a magical mystery ride. I uh, was looking at chapter 19 here. Uh, you reference uh, the one flew, flew over the cuckoo's nest where um, mm-hmm. they're trying to medicate you at one point, and you yes. use the old Randall McMurphy pills under the tongue. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but because I, in, in the last paragraph, sums it up, I, like, I trusted the voices and spirits that were working with me more than any medicine. I also learned that as long as I kept quiet and did not express myself, I could function quite well. At some point, though, you ha- you embrace this, right, in a, in a manner. Yeah. I mean, w- so was that scary to go deeper into what others were calling a psychosis versus uh, backing away from it and medicating it uh, until it was gone? I mean, could that even happen? Could you medicate this away? Is that possible? No, and that was that was a great mystery because, um, and I think this is what's you know baffling psychologists with people like me is that medication makes it worse. Right. And so I knew by every time I would be medicated that I was not being able to fulfill this kind of ride through the mystery. And so I I, I tried desperately to stay away from medication. Um, but again, if I didn't have a mentor or someone with me to manage it, I was just as much in trouble without the medication. So I had to find, and I think this is the key, and there's a great movie out right now called Crazy Wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it really outlines this entire dilemma that people get into. And, you know, what they really do require is, is, a, is a mentor, an elder. You know, in the old days, in tribal societies, if they saw someone like myself, um, and, and, and actually this happens to 75% of the people are, are actually before the age of 25. Mm-hmm. So this has happening in our youth. It was, for me, I was in, in my adulthood. Um, but it, um, it would normally what happen is they'd see someone, they'd see a child, and the elders or the elder shamans would, you know, take them in and say, okay, you're seeing things and you're, you know, having all this phenomenon occur in your life. Let's, let's tell you what that's all about. And they would embrace that and bring them into the, you know, the tribal society as a healer or someone, you know, that they respected. But in, in the case of, um, of the you know Western society, we don't do that. We take we put you in a mental hospital, okay. <laughs> and um, and that is the big dilemma for people who are going through this. Yeah, it's around what twenty two or twenty three where the the brain is fully developed, and that's when I hear about a lot of uh, psychotic breakdowns. Uh, yeah, that's often when things kick in. Yeah, too. yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's it's this this weird parallel development. Is just different ways of looking at it. Right. But let me ask you, Lori. I mean, you wouldn't. Uh, are you suggesting that? I, I, well, let me clarify. You're not suggesting that all mel- mental illness is actually symptomatic of this this different phenomena, or are you? I mean, are we just looking at mel- mental il- illness the wrong way? Well, I think you know. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to say this is everything. Right. Because I think that there's. You know, there's a, the mind is a vast territory, right. um, but I think that what is the problem is that we don't see this as a possibility. Yeah, that's a great way to clarify it. Yeah, and so if we, by, and so we just pathologize and we find a label. Now there is an actual category in the DSM, which is the Bible of, of diagnostic 
you know, um, right. terms. But, you know, it does exist like spiritual crisis or whatever. But um, really the only people I feel who are suitable to dealing with this are people who've been through it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, most psychiatrists haven't. Right. Um, in fact, they go through it themselves, and I have I've had several psychiatrists that I've worked with helping them through it. Oh. So, <laughs> it's, it, it, yeah, it needs. I mean, it needs someone who who can understand it from you know a different perspective, not the more you know not the the book um, learned perspective. Except when it comes to your book. <laughs> uh, which is a, like you're saying it's a hit uh, on Amazon the reviews are glowing and there's bazillions of them and uh, it's it's really uh, you know great for you that this is you know kind of uh, got you out there in a, in a way that you, people can reach you and you can reach them and, and uh, maybe open some minds and hearts to uh, the possibilities that surround them um, LaurieMorrison.com is where we can find more about you and your book and of course Amazon like I mentioned and uh, congratulations Laurie this is really quite something well thank you I'm glad you guys took the time to read the book and um, have me on your show today and I, I also have a couple people in New Zealand who have purchased the book so <laughs> <laughs> they've even sent me pictures of my book in New Zealand so but there must be a connection give, so give hi to my... everyone in New Zealand <laughs> <laughs> the book is Lori the, the Disintegration of My Ordinary Reality the author is Lori Morrison thank you so much for calling I'm glad we got to connect finally and, and thank you yes. again I remember we met at your uh, your luncheon for the one of the of course yes fun. of course I, I'll never forget. That was a good time. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure we'll talk again. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Lori Morrison, check it out, people. Good times. You're here to hear first in KSVY. That's right. And unless you're in New Zealand, I guess you already knew. So. <laughs> <laughs> but now you know again. Well, you want to rock out to the top of the hour? Or should we just do the top Let's of the hour? the top of the hour. And we're back here. <laughs> yes, we are. KSVY. Well, thanks to Lori Morrison for calling in and sharing. Yeah, that was amazing, better book. Yeah, See, we got famous authors and famous filmmakers. Oh, that's right. We're the show, man. <laughs> so this is our Pillhead segment. Oh, my God. That's Are right. you excited? I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a little scary. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Well, I trust you wouldn't do anything too embarrassing. I would Well, yeah, it's, it's mostly me just making an ass of myself. So, well, you do that every day. So, <laughs> exactly for two hours a day. For two hours, yes. <laughs> Ten hours a week. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's unfurl some. So, Pillhead uh, is a movie that's being produced by Karen Hess, and I'm yeah. the writer director, and yeah. uh, it's about a girl who uh, is a pill addict, and she undergoes an experimental sleep treatment brought on by a nefarious doctor, and she. She wakes up a year later, a little late, as it were, uh, <laughs> with psychic abilities that allow her to see into multiple universes and make strange decisions. But will she make the decision that saves her life and ends her addiction? Or will she go down the wormhole further? We'll find out in April when the film premieres. But until then, we're making the thing on a running an indie, <laughs> indie, yeah, Indiegogo campaign, uh, which you can check out at pillheadmovie.com. It'll, it'll throw you back there. Right. And you can contribute, and I hope you do, to make this happen. I gotta pay Takeshi. And, <laughs> and Not just in Mickey D either. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, and Takeshi's doing the sound. And so uh, he he got this great piece of equipment he wanted to try out, and it was a great time to do it because we're having a little kickoff party a few weeks ago at a wine bar yeah. at La Dolce Vita, our friend Sahar's place in Petaluma. So we're gonna hear a little bit of crowd noise, just a little warning. Yeah, uh, we can re- do commentary if you want to, but <laughs> yeah, we'll just no, let it play. No. But it's it's real life stuff. We uh, we're a few glasses in, and we're just talking to the cast and crew, having a fine time. Yes. Pillhead movie. 
Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> this is the morning show. And we're back at KSVY 91.3 FM Sonoma. A big shout out to our fans in Auckland, New Zealand, who are streaming us live in KSVY.org. Yeah. This is, of course, their evening show. We are here. Yes. Exactly. But this is one of our rare live in the field uh, expeditions. That's right. At La Dolce Vita Wine Bar here in uh, the wonderful burg of Petaluma. Takeshi has set up this apparatus that has allowed us to transcend both time and place. Yeah. Space in its very self, all together now, the three of us. Ben Stop has hello, joined us. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing, Mr. Oh, ben I'm Stop. doing fabulously, thank you. How now, are you doing, You guys Takeshi? go way back, as I understand. Yes. Oh, my you, goodness. You did some time together, the JC. Yeah, we have we done some, some time, time together. Yeah, I believe least. that was, uh, was that um, Joliet, or was that, no, that was the center was a junior college. It That's was Mary Ann's class. Right, Mary Ann's class. Yes, makeup class. Makeup class, and we... When you say makeup class, like we're talking L'Oreal, Maybelline, or are we yeah, talking? Yeah, L'Oreal, Maybelline. <laughs> I believe it was Ben Nye and uh, Brilliant. Berman. Yeah. Uh, thank, you. thank you very much. Difficult to get out of the house. What were you guys studying together? We, we took a makeup it class It was seriously a makeup, a theater we're, makeup we're doing, class, yes. We did a play together, and we yes. just got along ever since then. That's what it was. He and was and always in the... I didn't see him for almost, uh, what, eight, uh, 20, 18 years. Something like that, yeah, yeah. That long ago? Yeah, basically. Yeah, and the reason why is because we're on the opposite side of... Town, apparently. So, you know, it just, right. it just happened. He's we didn't a, have the opportunity. Yeah. That's what it is, yes. So, man, okay, you guys were in a play together. Were you both actors in this play? No. No, we, we, were, the, we, were, the, we were the techie. We ran away. We, we, um, yes, yeah, we dominated the green room, I believe, is what our job was and specifically. So this, had, you know, we're all kind of working together on a project. Oh, we're not all kind yes. of. We we're definitely working together on a project. Yes. Um, is this a reunion of a sort? You could say that. Professionally? I will say that. Yeah. This is a reunion of yeah. sorts. Well, we had a couple with Bob, but that doesn't count, right? That's uh, Bob. Nothing I mean, everybody has it. everybody has a thing with Bob. Uh, <laughs> by the way, we Takeshi and I were te texting earlier together uh, about <laughs> Bob's current mental state. He must be going through a breakdown because, as I understand, he's playing only '90s uh, yeah, music. Yeah, he's, ha he's having a bit Ooh. of a midlife crisis right now. Well, he did just spend some time in Miami. So <laughs> right, that'll right. do it to you, man. Right. Fine, I won't. <laughs> Okay, guys. So okay, okay. We we're here in part because we're doing a, a bit yeah. of a kickoff for uh, Pillhead the movie, and that's you can right. Check that out, PillheadMovie.com, of course, when you're yeah. ready. Yeah, and we have a Patreon. That's or true. Indiegogo. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing an uh, doing an Indiegogo uh, fundraise for this, and it's worked out pretty well so far. Uh, and, and and this is sort of to galvanize the troops and just kind of hang with the crew and have a good time. And it's been a great time. But right. I want to point out at this juncture right here, we are the three dorks in the party. Yes. <laughs> I was actually just thinking that, like you know like I mean? we're the guys in the corner with the tech, and no one is really hanging out with us. But you know, it's, it's okay. Cool. It's, it's okay. Exactly. I remember this moment from I'm 1987. Right you I see, did this before. People are taking pictures of us because. <laughs> We're special. But, dude, like, I'm a little <laughs> older than you guys, right? So I should be the cooler one. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're and, the adult here. I'm sorry. Well, it's I'm true. just saying, like, I've done this before. Yeah. You've, and, you've done this. And I've just, I know, I mean, I'm looking at my girlfriend who's sexy, and I know I'm not getting laid now because this is what I'm doing right now. And <laughs> she knows I have a too. girlfriend here. <laughs> she knows it too. All right, all right. You, Takeshi, you just you just bear, you just broke a mirror. You got seven years bad luck now. Oh you're yeah. You're the guy with the mic in the corner of the wine bar. Oh, but you know, like look, <laughs> flip it around. Look at the plus side. He's the one that's in the middle. So generally, yeah. that's the most I'm important. I'm the one like, in the middle. Like we're in her, you know, it's like you know, like we've got we're we're like we're your. Yeah. He's, he's always the ringleader. Okay, okay. Yeah. You see, you're the two girls. You two are the two girls. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm the one cup. Oh, oh I see. see. Okay. All right. Uh, wait a minute. That's not a good well, thing. Well, I've got actor extraordinaire. You are the one wearing uh, glasses. Pascal's favorite yeah. next to me here. Hello, Pascal. What's going on here? 
Well, I'm trying to convince these guys that we should put down the mics if they have any yeah. hope for a love life after this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's good to have something in your hand, whatever you do. <laughs> wow. I yeah, don't want to hold this mic this close anymore. <laughs> you just uh, feel a little bit dirty now, right? But kind of in a good way. <laughs> I don't know. Right? How, do you, how do you feel about this? It's all right. That's all right. It I used to be called a phallicophone. Now it's called a microphone. <laughs> right. That's right. Which means it's getting smaller, right? Yeah. <laughs> kind of. We can hope. Went from uh, macrophone to microphone. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's talk to Ben really. Pmi. So Ben, what are you doing for the movie right now? For Pillhead, uh, the movie. That's a good question. Yes. So I'll be assistant directing. Hopefully doing a bit of camera work, and I will be editing in conjunction, close conjunction, Mr. Daedalus House. Well. Ben is essentially uh, the creative glue holding the project together from the oh, okay. other side. Uh, when I have my uh, inevitable breakdown and start crying, and wait, you're gonna start crying? Well, dude, I'm I a drama queen. A pen and paper. Know, in the end, I'm gonna have to have a thing. Oh, oh, okay. You have to be the there before you have your breakdown. Fair enough. All right. Yeah, when yeah. I have my moment of tumult okay. on, on set, and I'm like, I don't know, man, is this gonna work? And Ben's like, I already got it. It's already done. That's Ben's job. I can't do this right now. Whether Ben's got it or not, he's going to tell That's me. It's my job to say that. Contractually, he's obligated to tell me it's going to be okay. Okay, so, Daedalus, first off, I'll tell you something. Yeah. You need a tea table. What? A tea yes. table? Yes. A tea and table? We need tea. And so, oh, whenever you get really table for angry okay. and we put socket, you flip the tea table. Ah, ah see? That's it, brilliant. There's a good release. Good. I don't get it my way. <laughs> Or perhaps a board of table. checkers or something? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. No, no. Any, any you you need a tea table. Okay, oh, so yeah. I'm working with Pascal. He's yeah. being a difficult okay. actor. I've got the tea table yes. uh, with tea right? yes. and, and cups and pots. Yeah. And, uh, and I say, Pascal, cut. No, man. The line is, Daedalus, you are that awesome. But he refuses to do it the way that it should be done, which yeah. is with like an emphatic yeah. emotional knowingness. Right. Because I am that awesome, right? Yeah. So I go... Pascal, you know your line. Let's do it. Action. Yeah. Can I go to the toilet, please? Cut. Jesus Cut. Christ. And then I go over and I flip and you the table. flip the tea table, <laughs> right. and all of a sudden it shows that you're stop. No, but I really have and to go to the you toilet. Might, you <laughs> might get the clue that you need to do this uh, actual, you might need to do the line right. Huh. You see, this is the way most Japanese producers do it. Yeah? Yeah. They have yeah a, so, a, a actually, there's a game. There's, you know, there's and, a game uh, about this. You've seen the Japanese um, uh, 20... 25 cents game where like pachinko you flip, you flip the you flip the table really yeah like you go to japan town and there's a there's a game you put 25 cents and you get so mad you flip oh, the pachinko. table uh, yeah you've See? seen that game really i'm, I'm telling you yeah. okay you just yeah, need yeah, a tea table thing. and everything yeah. everybody will know you mean business when you flip that tea table yeah I, japanese is not just about the mount fuji <laughs> Yeah. There's also sushi you know, and I mean? all that. You see, wow. you, you, go, you see, you yell some obscenities and Please hold while we have technical difficulties. <laughs> wow, that was crazy. What was that? I'll just bring it down for a little yeah, bit. Hold on here. <laughs> oh, boy. So what you're listening to, if you're just tuning in, is uh, Pillhead, <laughs> Pillhead the movie had a launch a few uh, weeks ago uh, before uh, production, and Takeshi uh, did some interviews, and uh, you're hearing the results of <laughs> the greatest hits of this interview. It's quite fun, I must it's say. It's kind of funny, actually. Yeah, it's uh, everyone's a bit on. Uh, uh, y- y- on, you could say. Yeah. yeah, and in their cups. <laughs> and, uh, 
the weird weird thing here we is go. I'm a Frenchman. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> hold on. I'll, I'll let me cut it back a little bit. Okay. Okay. So we're going to take it back here. Here we go, here we go. Are, 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 are you, um, what is your role what in Pillhead? What is your role in Pillhead, the movie? Uh, you know, weird, the weird, weird thing is I'm a Frenchman. <laughs> I'm the Frenchman, you know. Oh, you know, by so the way, you, you uh, wrote some, in Frenchy. I just want to say that some discrimination is only one Frenchman in the movie. I have to there, there's only one, only one. You need some. I, you better get it right. I had a creative crisis and I failed to give Pascal's character a name other than the Frenchman. No, French. <laughs> I will say this though, obviously I wrote it for a Frenchman and he was the only one who was available. So okay. Okay. <laughs> and it has okay. nothing to do with sex. Oh, no, all right, no, all right. No, I want to make that emphatically clear. Uh, there is no emphatically clear. Emphatically, emphatically, emphatically clear. Emphatically, Perfect. Well, gentlemen, I am going to bid adieu to this moment. I feel oh. that I've dorked out enough. I want to thank you all for you're, coming. You're leaving us. Well, thank you. I'm just going to turn over the mic and. Uh, I don't wait, want to wait, drop wait, it because it is. Catch it. <laughs> that's part of my role, right? We'll when you drop the mic, I will catch it. There it is. Uh, uh, okay, okay. You, you Why, you Obama or something? Mic has been dropped. No, it's, it's just that I, I, I've, got a, I've got a party to attend to that I've been uh, ignoring. Okay. True, true okay. that. Look, no one's talking to me anymore except you guys. <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you hang out with the nerds uh, in the corner? We'll get Shotzi Gorman over here. Okay, you gotta, you gotta interview Shotzi. Okay. Alright, yeah, we will. We will. Takeshi's gonna interview Alright, alright. So, yeah. so we're hoping this is. Okay, whatever. You weren't recording? Sorry, I'm trying to get Shotzi here. Yes, CD as you want. My bad. All right, we got Mr. Shotzi Gorman here with us. Here we go. Here we go. So, what hey, is your good evening? How you doing? Uh, what is I your? I don't role? know. I can't hear anything. I'm, That's fine. I'm deaf to begin with, and perfect. But all these people uh, talking, uh, I don't know what the uh, hell you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, what is your role in Pillhead right now? I mean, uh, I don't even know what my role in the film is. Well, you have a couple lines. Yes, I do. I have a couple lines. I, I actually, to be perfectly honest, have not studied the script. Perfect. But I, think, uh, I know at least I'm, one person has I'm, read the script. I'm and that's Jumbo Jack, right? Jumbo. So. Okay. So you're Jumbo Jack, and that's all you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it has something to do with intimidation and trepidation. Okay. Perfect. But good stuff. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but this, you know, this is fun. Drinking wine, eating yeah. pizza, meeting yeah. new people. Yeah, definitely. People. Definitely. That, that's very true. Yes. This is a lot of fun. Um, so you don't you don't know your role. You don't know what you're gonna do. No, I have you, no idea. That's the good part. Ah, uh, great, great. It's not great. improv, but I'll have it, I'm sure I'll have it down as a very small part. Yeah, like 90% of the affection. morning show is improv. That's right. <laughs> All we do is we get the gas in, and that's about it. Improv begins. And it's only exciting when Christine and I are on it. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, uh, definitely. Uh, definitely. Well, for example, so you do some poetry. Perhaps you do have any poetry this evening prepared. Can you spit some bars for us? Yeah. Yeah, can you spit some bars off the top of the dome? Yeah. Here we go. It's called Wingers. Wingers. Somebody winged that cigarette. It seemed to fall from the sky. And red sparks shot all around where it landed. Long after that car whizzed by. And it seemed like Gene Ammons with that throaty sound. And it reminded me of Deborah Winger. 
and she's hot like licks from well that was crazy uh, all right there was that one <laughs> wow Takeshi. yeah i know right that's some audio in the field man i love it yeah it's always fun it's always fun when, uh, when uh, Shotzi drinks wine and does poetry <laughs> actually it is yeah 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 I, I accidentally um cut out the um well the bruce lee story oh yeah which we'll have on someday soon. yeah yeah bruce lee uh martial arts master of course and uh, yeah star of cinema uh apparently had become acquainted with Shotzi gorman at some point yeah did did Shotzi ink him at all or was he just was he just studying karate okay I'll tell you um you know how Bruce Lee would go to all these martial arts conventions yeah and there'd be this guy that Bruce Lee would be punching and doing the one inch punch for Shotzi happened to be one of them (laughs) he was the one inch punch guy he was was taking the one inch punch. he was taking the one inch punch (laughs) and then you know he would try to uh, block the punches and Bruce Lee was always too fast oh my god yeah how? And he was a third, uh, Shotzi was a third degree black belt. Really? Yeah, he was no slouch. I had no idea. Yeah, and he actually uh, won a, a couple competitions that day, and still Bruce Lee was just too fast. Damn, I, Gorman, he, he can be a formidable fellow. You know, he's kind of a big guy, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and he's got karate like, in his yeah. hip pocket, so to speak. Wow. Damn, the guy's dangerous. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I have another one. I mean, I have another one with Demetra too. But uh, we can save that for another day. Oh, yeah, because uh, we have uh, our guests are in the house. They Michael are. Pinsky, uh, he's the man behind Premier Wines. And he's got uh, Julie, Julie Cavallero and Monica Cant, or Court, sorry, from yes. uh, Fillmore West Vineyards in the house, which is going to be awesome. We'll take our 20 That's and come right. back with some wine, folk. That's the best. <laughs> Back on the morning show, the only morning show that you need to hear, listen to, or care about because it's the award winning morning show featuring myself and, of course, producer extraordinaire Takeshi Lewis. Uh, again, a, a shout out to Auckland, New Zealand, and Wellington, uh, your neighbor. Uh, we're very happy to have you listening. And I just looked at the web results uh, courtesy of Bob Taylor, and uh, it's extraordinary. And we feel very embraced and loved. And we will take up the uh, local Chamber of Commerce's uh, offer to have us uh, do a live show from New Zealand uh, in 2018. Thank you to your Tourism Bureau. We're very much looking forward to being there, but not the 24 hour flight to get there. <laughs> just, <laughs> just saying, but thank you, Quantum. Airlines for kicking down the airfare. In the meantime, we have a, a very nice uh, event that you should be aware of. Um, it's the Aguilar, the Aguilar Blumenfeld project featuring Roy Blumenfeld and David Aguilar, uh, Steve Ashman, and other special guests who will be presenting some of their swampy musical interpretations this Friday, September 1st, at the Elverano Inn in downtown Elverano, beginning at 9 p.m. Why are they doing this? Because we have the benefit of being high and dry where those in Houston do not. And so proceeds from this event will be sent to Houston, Texas to assist those in need and displaced by the disastrous results of Hurricane Harvey. Please come show your support uh, for a great cause and fellow human beings during these divisive times. And what's crazy is they're just going to send the money to Houston. It's not going to any particular organization, uh, at least not indicated on this. They're just going to send a box full of money, care of uh, general delivery in Houston, Texas. <laughs> So that's bold. That's cool. <laughs> so good for them. No. And on all seriousness, it's a great cause, and you should be there. In the meantime, we have in the house quite a few people. A full house, actually. We uh, do. Uh, Michael Pinsky has brought uh, Julie Cavallero and Monica Quartz from the Fillmore West Vineyards here. And uh, I'm so happy to have you all back. This is great. 
Thank, Thank you. Yeah. Are all these mics live? We have so many now. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> there we go. It's always live. And Michael, are you live? I'm not Yeah, kidding. yeah. Turn him up on EXT1. <laughs> are you live? Oh, oh. Pff. Okay. No. Oh, There's always one thing I forget to do. Here we go. Here we go. It's going to be a little loud. This is, this is, here we go. It's going to pop. Watch oh, out. Oh, there we go. All right. Here we go. Hey, Michael. Oh, we're back. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Good right. morning. Good morning. Yeah. Well, this is really quite an extraordinary circumstance. We've never used these many tracks live on the board at once. So, uh, oh, and it's really hot now. Okay. If this wow. catches fire, just remember, uh, uh, me first. I get out first, and then you guys can follow. <laughs> please Single ex- file. Please exit in an orderly way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. It's not hot. You do have a fire extinguisher under the desk, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> in a manner of speaking, yes. So, so uh, what's cooking there at Fillmore West Vineyards? What is cooking? It is harvest. Oh, that's we right. in the middle of it. Yeah. 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 We brought in... Uh, uh, almost two tons of Pinot to make rosé, and so we're off to a good start. Oh, good. Yeah. good. And, and what do you have in the strange little vials? Well, we've brought <laughs> you some strange little vials because one of the cool things about Pinot is there's all these different clones. And so these are three different clones, and you can just see by, like, the color right off the bat, like, what people are trying to accomplish. Yeah. I mean, you've got oh. 115, you've got uh, 667, a little bit darker, and then you've got our clone, which is 828, which is uh, That's beautiful. darker still. Yeah. yeah. This is sort of a nice garnet color, and, and it's unfiltered, I can see. This is extraordinary. Yeah, these are actually um, crushed samples um, just right out of the vats. And uh, it just kind of shows you what kind of a tool chest you can get with Pinot. Yeah. And when when you say clonal variety, so these are three separate clones of Pinot. Correct. Uh, Correct. Walk me through what that actually means. I mean, I know what it means, but Takeshi doesn't. Kind of in the sense (laughs) of, you know, when you go and you go to the gardening, you know, roses, and you've got all these different hybrid roses, Mm -hmm. you're basically looking at the same thing. You're looking at selections of Pinot, each one having a group of different qualities, a group of different climates and soils that it prefers to really show at its best. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And where do these clones come from? France. Where and, else, right? And, and do, they kn- <laughs> do they know you have them? Well, you know, they do now. <laughs> We're pretty, you know, uh, Michael, I think we talked about this story a little bit last time, but yes, they, they brought them over. These you are know, suitcase cover initially, yeah. but now you know you see Davis surreptitiously. Yeah. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in Michael's suitcase. Yeah. Did you wants s- to know. No. Did you see these clones? Yeah. I didn't say that. Have, have, you, have you done that? Clones or clones? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are you that guy? Right, you drives around the side of the road, says that's the one, and you go take a little clipping and. No, that's no, not okay. me. <laughs> well, very cool. Not that I would ever admit to. <laughs> yeah, of course not, yeah. I mean, is that illegal to sample nature? Well, it's not necessarily illegal unless you bring it to the country without declaring any exactly. customs. Right. <laughs> that, that, right. that was the problem. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's taste one of these. You want to pour a few out? And sure. Yeah. So that's we'll go true. like lightest to heaviest. Sure. So we'll do the 115. Let me put my glasses okay. on, make sure I'm pouring the right one first. How exciting. All right. So, How by the way, you know the story of the uh, professor who actually cloned himself? Uh, no, I don't. And he <laughs> took his clone to a uh, lecture, and he was giving this lecture to a crowd of scientists and everything. But in the background, the, his clone is just making all these noises and faces and everything. And so after the... Um, it was very annoying to everybody. And uh-huh. so after the event was over, they were walking out of the building, and the professor, or the inventor, cloner, 
pushed his creation down the steps. <laughs> and the police came, and they took him away from making obscene clone fall. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh. That was a long walk. <laughs> no, it was a long fall. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, you weren't that high. That's, for trouble. That's great, man. That's really funny. Um, but, yes, so what do we have here? This is... I don't know. This is clone 115, and you can tell me, you know, um, just what you think. Like, so... Juice. Juice. Yeah, Monica <laughs> says Monica says it's juice. juice. It, it is, is juice. juice. It's grape yeah. juice, and it's but you can I can tell where it's going though. Is it? Yeah, it's interesting. You, yeah. I think um, for folks that like to drink Pinot, it's kind of a an interesting opportunity oh, wow. to see where it comes from prior to the arrival. Yeah. What's interesting is that it says, uh, of course it's in this state. It's kind of vegetal on the nose because it's. It's juice, right? right. But uh, but you can on the palate, you can taste the Pinot emerging from it, right? And I, I, I bet that sweetness would shave off a bit, and then we're going to be right in the pockets. I know your Pinot, uh, your rosé is brilliant, and this is what that's going to become. Well, ours is actually um, we're, we're saving ours for last. It's actually the eight two eight, which is at the end. And you know, one of the things you will notice is the one one five and the six six seven, which I'm going to pour next. Okay. The acids. Yeah, let me get this for dumping. You know, you might notice a little different acid, a little more brightness. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how it... Uh, yeah, because this one's very grapey right now, because yeah. it's still grapes. It's like still Well, you know, imagine these really are about sugar right now. Right. Um, you know... Let me guess the bricks count. I'd say that's a okay. 22. <laughs> you know, that was pretty darn close. Thank you. It was 22-1. So I, I learned how to do that from uh, Robert Hunter. Do you guys know this guy? Uh, not not the senior, but the junior. Rob, he has a wine called uh, Rob Hunter 3 or Hunter 3 out of uh, Napa. And he was so amazing. He could pluck a grape, squish it with his hands, and, and with just through viscosity, get the bricks count uh, within a point like that. That is, you know, I mean, that's an art. Someone who has that. Uh, capabilities. Yeah, and then so he taught me some of the tricks, and it's you know, I, and so I have a savant-like ability to. Uh, well, yeah. Then there's that. Perfect. <laughs> but uh, and it was just a lucky guess. But yeah. So you know, you can see this one uh, deeper hue. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, thicker and, and and deeper taste too somehow. Right, kind of right? portends perhaps to yeah. what you're going to be. It's really fascinating. I'm so glad you brought this in. No one ever does this. Uh, so remember, yeah. was this your idea, Michael? Yeah, thanks yeah. a lot, Michael. Yeah, very smart. Well, you know, it's it's everybody can do what they do all the time. Yeah. I like to kind of make it educational, even if it's on the radio and you can't really see it. Although I know you're on live on TV, yeah, it's but on it's TV still, too. it's not like giving <laughs> a lecture in a class and the tasting <laughs> in a class or whatever. But I like to I like to get out of the um, the normal things and 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 have some fun too, yeah, and, definitely, and try things that are different. And um, fortunately, you know. Julie and Monica were uh, on board with it, and yeah. so uh, we're, ha- we're having a little bit different tasting today. I think it's fascinating, and there, there's a sort of uh, anecdotal effect that will come out of this, because Takeshi and I will talk about this forever. You know, well, we actually have tried raw Pinot juice, and we know. And you can see the Clone Wars coming. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Where did you find this guy? You know? Worst movie ever. I think it was Mexico. He was on the beach, and we called him, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, so I know we've talked about this before the last time you guys were on, but you, you plucked this guy out of the ether. You knew that he was a commodity out there in, wine, in the wine trade, but you took a gamble. You rolled the dice. We had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think he rolled the dice by, oh. returning, our, by returning our phone call. <laughs> I think it was down in Mexico. I think it was tequila haze. <laughs> That's right. 
No kidding. <laughs> no, it's fun. I've uh, it's uh, they're they're a lot. They're great to work with. Uh, most small winery producers are a real. They don't they don't respond the way you would like them to, and right. I have to give uh, Monica and Julie credit that they responded every time I've asked for something. So it's been great. And you guys are obviously you know wine enthusiasts, and you're in this for the love of the wine. A lot of people get into the wine biz because it's a vanity thing, you know, and their na- their names all over the bottle, and and uh, you know they made it one thing, they want to make it in another, and uh, then you end up with you know these weird wines that. Uh, um, you know, re- represent maybe the wrong initiative, but uh, your stuff has always been wonderful. Why, why is it that you were able to make this pivot so elegantly and not be creeps? <laughs> <laughs> wow, Daedalus. I, um, well, dude, is, this our, is this when we leave? <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> oh, you are creeps. <laughs> no, because you guys are say yet to be determined, right? <laughs> no, you guys are so nice and, and wonderful and generous. Uh, and but some people come in who are like, "Well, I wanted to have my name on a bottle." And you're like, "Okay, dude, but that's not uh, a great story." <laughs> yeah. what, what is it do you, that keeps you guys so level and cool? I think it's our friendships. Yeah, yeah, I think it's got to be that, you know. And we're just ha- and kind of having fun. Yeah. Like, it's not hard to have, have friends when you have wine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's no great feat. <laughs> we make a lot of mistakes, and we kind of laugh at each other and just kind of move on to the next thing and yeah. hope for the best. That's know? great. Yeah. Truly. We're and very blessed. We're really fortunate, so... Yeah. We always keep that in mind. Well, this guy got blessed uh, a few weeks ago. He got to go to uh, the Fillmore West. Oh, yes. Uh, courtesy of you Thank guys. you so much, by the way. It was an amazing show. It, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I felt like royalty. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I've never been treated so nicely at a place. Oh, he he spent about an hour sweet. talking about it on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was Aww. so much fun. And I was transpiring the, the person that was mixing all the audio, too. Nice. Uh, yeah, I was like, hanging over the balcony watching what they were doing. Oh, no. I'm sure they enjoyed having you there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Uh, <laughs> I loved having you on the radio, or their name on the radio. Yeah, yeah. So, shout I mean, thank you so much. It was really awesome. And so, yeah, we should talk about a little bit between about the relationship between Fillmore West, the vineyard, and, and Fillmore West, the venue. Uh, there's a sort of legacy that you've carried on to the bottle, it sounds like. Well, you know, uh, or, or, really, or a branding crisis. What are <laughs> I mean, our relationship with the venue is um, my parents, my dad, and my stepmother's um, foresight in reopening the venue. Mm-hmm. As for us and the wine, you know, they were were certainly lucky that they're willing to carry the wine for us, and yeah. and um, is. For me, it's a, it's also a tribute to my father. So indeed, yeah, that's how it gets. We got it there, and and they're enjoying it, and we're enjoying having it there. So it's there, all good. And and now we have it in preview form. So this is here. Now we're we're onto your juice for your Pinot. So we yeah. are, and it's a little different in comparison in that this is actually for the rosé. So this actually came out of the press. The first two samples were actually out of the crusher. So they oh, actually okay. had crushed the fruit. Um, the skins were in contact. They went into the bins to be fermented. These actually, this was actually treated like a white wine, where the whole clusters were put into a press and then squeezed, yeah. and then the juice came out. So it's a little bit, um, a little bit different, and that it's a little bit lighter. It doesn't have the skin contact. That's just why it doesn't have that little bit of vegetation that you notice. Right. So mm-hmm. this is in, this is in preparation for going to on to become rosé. Okay, so we're pretty close to the process now. We okay. are. Yeah, we're. 
this looks like a rosé. Right. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. right, right. So they're little, very little skin contact. It's a little more clear. So if you have a little brandy in the back room, you can just add it in there and you're there. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. And this is a really nice, round, supple um, juice. You can. It's, it's not overly sugared, and you can already see the right. refinement's already here. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're... Uh, we're looking forward to a, a, a good year, I think. Yeah. So was, the fruit came in beautifully. You know, Mike Nunez and his vineyard crew, or the guys that work the vineyard, did a beautiful job. They bring it in. There's not a leaf in the bin, so the whole clusters just go right into the press, mm-hmm. and uh, away mm. it goes. So, yeah. And bricks were at um, 19.3. <laughs> Uh, believe it or not, we're closer to 23.5 on this. But it's integrated. The sugar is integrated. <laughs> know, That's so why. Funny. I'm just full of baloney. <laughs> <laughs> but very good. Very good. Yeah. Mm. So anyway. So uh, can you uh, predict how this will become? A, I mean, like, what kind of wine it will become? Where, I mean, are mm. you, I know you've done this a while. So like, where where do you think this is going to land? You know, that's a good question. Um, you know, winemaking is a, kind of a long journey from the time it actually gets into the tank, from the time you get, have a finished product. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot can, that can happen. But I think it's going to be a fairly elegant, balanced, uh, mid-weight sort mm-hmm. of a rosé. Well, is this your th- third rosé, right? Correct. So Correct. what we're looking for is the thread through each of the three vintages so that... Uh, one of the things when I was in retail, I always looked mm-hmm. for with a new release was I didn't care about points or awards or whatever. If my clients like the 2000, let's say back then, the 1994 and the 95, are they going to like the 96 because of the similarity or what I call the thread right. that runs through them? I think that's where we really want to talk about how close mm-hmm. will this be to the previous two vintages or because it's a new vineyard or are we going to see a little bit more complexity? Interesting. I never think of it from the retail point of view, but yeah, there's an expectation, I guess. People want a consistency. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you, I mean, do you owe it to them? I don't think so. I, you know, I, yeah, you do. I mean, <laughs> well, if you want to keep your customers. Um, <laughs> right, right. I mean, I think they get used to it, and they, uh, you know, uh, I think what you want to see on your, your I mean, here we, all, we have just two wines. We have the rosé and the pinot. Mm-hmm. So... I think there is an expectation that those wines will be similar, even though you're going to get some vintage variations. Right. You want to still have that th- what I call that thread running through it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you might have a little bit more richness in a really great year, and maybe in a leaner year you might, but you still want some of the same flavor uh, profiles. <laughs> so, like uh, mm-hmm. for example, uh, Muscardini, his uh, Sangio, his uh, Rosato de Sangio, whatever it is, uh, uh, that's pretty consistent, I find. And I know that it's it's sold by vintage, so he's not blending across the years. How how does he achieve that kind of control? And is that something you're trying to achieve as well? Um, I think yes, to a certain degree. I, I do think the public is a little more receptive um, to variation now, particularly with the millennials and the younger kids more interested in an authentic product that is not manipulated. Right. And, and I thought you were going to say because I don't know any better. Cause <laughs> but, but. No, no. It's a very educated crowd. Yeah. Uh, I think they're able to to you know be okay with the fact that if you if you're not manipulating you're going to have a, you know variations in an authentic and, expression though that, right yeah, exactly yeah. um but but sure i think we have the vineyard and i think we want to try and represent it authentically and hopefully yes as it matures just like mike said it's going to change a bit but that there's definitely going to be a thread that runs through that's uh, recognizable yeah. and julie is really um wanting to make wines that people enjoy not 
challenge them or large (laughs) quantities of wine yeah but a a smaller quantity and a really good wine and i think that's we've achieved that she's achieved that one of the things i've always said is the greatest compliment to wine is when you're having dinner and you reach for the bottle and you it's empty and you didn't even Realize you'd gone through it, and it wasn't the part. It wasn't the thr- uh, thrust of the conversation, or it wasn't. Mm-hmm. This is about the wine. After all, most people didn't make the wine. You guys are exceptional when you have dinner, but most mm-hmm. of us buy the wine, and therefore we make the dinner. You know, so I'd rather be people. People be more talking about what I made for dinner than the wine that I actually just <laughs> purchased. But um, regardless of that, the wine is a, is a compliment to dinner, and it should be enjoyed. And then suddenly you go, oh, we need another bottle. And then and that's when it's really, I think, done. It's it's it's, it's true perfection. That's great. Yeah, uh, and and uh, when you make dinner, of course, people always say, "Well, the wine was good." <laughs> right? that's, that. <laughs> that's after they get out of the bathroom. <laughs> Yikes! But that's an interesting way to think of uh, wine uh, and pairing. Like it's like it's like movie music. You know, it's good until you notice it, right? Um, mm. I, I, that said, though, I think some wines and certainly some of yours deserved a little attention. You know, in in the course of a dinner where, where you you go, wow, this is something really special. Um, how how do you how do you pair a wine like that without diminishing the uh, either experience? Well, don't look at me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, again, it's a situation of what, what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, I've been at a lot of dinners where the wines are the focus. I mean, you, you know, because you're doing both. You're doing older wines and you're doing great food. And, yeah. and they're obviously meant to, to kind of uh, work together and pair up well. And so that is part of the conversation. Whereas if you're just doing dinner at home, I think their label is kind of fun enough that it would probably engender a conversation anyway. That's true. Yeah. So I think that's kind of uh, you know, if it, especially smaller wineries, people say, "Oh, this is a really interesting label," or "Where'd you get this?" or something like that. So that again, rare or smaller, harder to find wineries I probably generate their own conversations. I, I've graduated to that level of uh, wine guy where I like to come and talk about the wine I brought. Like, well, actually, I met these guys. <laughs> you know, and I, uh, I actually did a tasting with Takeshi of just the juice. Do you, do you, use, that, <laughs> do you use that to pick up girls? <laughs> no, I do. No, I do. I, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At the Fillmore. <laughs> yeah. right. Did he tell you he had a great night? Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> a couple girls didn't walk up to me. Go, How did you get that badge? I was like, well, you know. <laughs> I know somebody. <laughs> right, right. I had my people call their people. <laughs> Everybody knew. <laughs> uh, too much. So, you're not psychic, of course, but you are professional. You know this is going to be a great wine. When is it going to be done? Does it mean as in released? Yeah, because I'm just going to, do I just sit here and wait for it to turn into wine? Is that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two months. Add a little vodka. And, <laughs> right. um, uh, we will be bottling, I imagine, around March. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it'll be early, early to market, and uh, it'll be out there. So y- y- you offhanded a gag there about putting a little vodka? Yeah. 
If I did that, would it be wine or would it be a cocktail? <laughs> it would be port. <laughs> it, it wouldn't matter what it is. <laughs> After the second one, who cares, right? I have coconut rum in the other room if you really need it. Uh, dude, no one needs coconut <laughs> no, rum. No, never. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of that, by the way, we should mention that um, these wines are available at Cocoa Planet Restaurant. They oh. are. Oh, that's funny. And we will be serving them in... Um, uh, we're pouring at the city of El Cerrito's 100th Centennial on September 16th after their big parade. Oh, right on. And then we're pouring again at the gala in um, Sonoma nice. on the 22nd. And we'll be in a, we're bringing our van out, uh, the Fillmore West van, a 69 Volkswagen van in the parade. <laughs> and then we're concluding it at the Benicia um, Film Festival on October 16th. Eight. What a run. Right yeah. on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Going to be out and about. Now, I noticed his ears perked up when you said van. <laughs> He's looking for a place to stay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's our tiny home. How do we do this? Yeah, the, problem is, the problem is it's bigger than half the apartments in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, right. We need to take a quick break. Oh, we should. You're right. It's and the 40. We'll be right back. All right. Here we are. And we're back on the morning show. I'm Dateless Howell. That's Takeshi Lewis being lambasted for his height. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we got Michael Pinsky in the house, uh, joined by Julie Cavallero and Monica Kortz from Filmer West Vineyards. And we're having kind of an extraordinary uh, and interesting uh, tasting here. This is, uh, in our glasses, uh, uh, through the course of the last segment, uh, are the juices that will become the wine, uh, just fresh off of harvest. And we've had a few different clones and landed on uh, the Pinot. Uh, and it's uh, Extraordinary. It's really interesting to see wine um, with the beginning of a wine, the embryonic uh, sort of idea forming in the glass as we speak, because it's it's fermenting right now, technically, right? It is fermenting. <laughs> At the winery, it is fermenting. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't it fermenting in our glass? Isn't there wild yeast now sort of attacking it? And You know, uh, <laughs> if it was a little warmer in here, it probably would be. I there was still life yeah. form. I died four uh, years ago, and so to keep me fresh, they got to, you know, I'm full of formaldehyde and keep it cool. That, you know, it's, it's been working. Yeah. It's a good thing I, never, I don't have any bionic parts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. <laughs> but, um, so... Th- Anything different about this vintage versus previous years uh, you found? I mean, the weather's been crazy. I know that. Yeah, the weather was crazy. And, and you know, I, I'm not the most um, educated on vineyards, but just an observation was, there was the water tables were so high for the first time. Interesting. From the winter. Yeah. You know, that the vines really didn't need much irrigation. I think they had to be careful about the canopies getting, you know, overgrown. Wow. And also, so much rain sometimes washes the nitrogen out of the soil, and it got lands below the rooting zones in the vines, so they actually had to go pay more attention to the soil content, nutrient contents this year. That's fascinating. You know, it's funny, you know, with all of the strange things happening with our weather, you know, it was like a drought for years, and now it's too much water. And right. I mean, year to year, how do you manage all of these different variables? You know, I, I wouldn't want to be the vineyard folks these days, <laughs> because it is. It's tr- I would think it's treacherous, you know, yeah. year to year. It's kind of random, and... It's uh, random, yeah. And our, you know, our 
locally, it just it's so mercurial. You know, it's like it was a hundred degrees the other day, right? And then it's going next week. It's going to be like seventy. You know, yeah. what is that? You well, know? someone once said uh, in one particularly difficult vintage, we got all the weather we, we normally get. It just came in a different order. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And all at once in a week. Yeah, or it all came in three days. Well, they, actually, the heat is kind of fun, kind of uh, an interesting time of year because it'll shoot those sugars up. Um, and so it's going to be hot this weekend, and then it's, it kind of levels out after on, after Tuesday, and it'll be in the mid-80s, which if it stays like that through the rest of September. But historically, from what I remember, September is always our hottest month. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm never surprised when it gets yeah. to be in the hundreds in September. Right. Um, so uh, this is why... Uh, a lot of wineries or vineyard people started picking actually at night and in the morning is to avoid those high sugars that just rush right so through the, in the hot days. They spike, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the rule of thumb, of course, is high bricks, high sugars, rather high alcohol. Are these going to be hot wines with a bricks count around 23? Um, is it going to be like 16, 15, 16? I mean, for no, a Pinot, that could know, be. Yeah, you know, 23, uh, 23.8 ends up somewhere around 13. Oh, that's good. Just under that's, 14%. Yeah, that, that's that's within yeah. par for a Pinot, yeah. Well, that's the other thing that they have to watch is as these sugars start spiking, the acid starts dropping. So there right. is a real close eye kept on the vineyards literally hourly mm-hmm. to make sure that you don't lose too much acidity while these sugars are starting to climb. And so there has to be a balance as to you may not get as much sugar as you want, but you don't want to lose all the acid because that's the one that keeps the wine fresh. Right. right. Yeah, and you're saying the, the alcohol neutralizes the oh, no, sorry the sugars will neutralize the acid they'll, they'll override it or in the fermentation process as it becomes alcohol well, it'll suppress the acid. No, I'm just saying in the grape as the sugars start to rise in the grape the sugars the acids will fall. Oh, in the grape itself. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that you have to be really careful to hit that balance of you don't want to lose too much, which is again why they pick at night when the d- grapes or in early morning when the grapes tend to be a little bit more dormant. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to when the sun starts hitting them and they start really, you know, if it's warm, the sugars start really climbing. You, it's like almost a, uh, a battle then to get the grapes in uh, before they lose that ac- acidity. Yeah, I've, I've seen harvests where people are literally running, you know, with, with bins, you know, cutting, running. Oh, and for back. Sure. It's crazy. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, well, cool. And so the harvest went well this year? The harvest went well. Were they running? Or were they? they were running. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, because we have to transport the fruit from Carneros to San Francisco, um, Monica and Debbie and the vineyard guys were through 250 pounds of dry ice into the bins to, oh, wow. you know, to keep cold. the grapes cold so they don't start actually fermenting with wild yeasts in the bins on the trip home. And then That's you've crazy. already got, like, you know, these crazy things happening before you've even started. I so. didn't think of that. Yeah, because the, the ride, even though it's kind of short, it can get hot out there. and yeah. It can get hot and, you know, yeah. sitting in the truck. You know, yeah, and you see, uh, start getting the weight it. of the, the grapes right. create their own it's crushing free, run, yeah. free run, literally. That's right. Wow. So, what yeah. a strange situation. Yeah. And, and the facility is actually in San Francisco. I didn't put that together before. It's in San Francisco. It's uh, Dog Patch Wine Works. Oh, it's nice. in the Dog Patch region. It's a custom crush and alternating proprietorship turned nice. facility. So, yeah. I love all that stuff these days. It's, it's so fun. great. Yeah, you know the, the, these systems where you can say, "I'm going to, I'm going to make a wine," and then there's all these resources you can tap to actually manifest it. You know, you don't have to have your own facility and stuff. And I think that's wonderful. Okay. We should start a wine, Michael. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got a great port. <laughs> yeah, but you, but you know the old line, correct? How you, how do you make a little bit of money in the wine business? Start, start with, with a lot. lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? All right. Uh-huh. Well, let's shout out the website here uh, for Fillmore West Vineyards. It's Fillmore. Westvineyards.com. 
and we hope that you go and take a look at it and um, our label and everything is wonderful and take a look at the uh, our um, van at the uh, vintage parade uh, it will have a big Fillmore West van banner on the side you won't um, probably a little psychedelic looking right exactly and awesome. weeks has created that for us and it's gonna be awesome and there's gonna be Takeshi yeah, living be in it now I'm a fan of your uh, I'm a fan of your pianos he's available to chauffeur yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. so I want to thank Michael Pinsky for bringing in Monica Kortz and Julie Cavallero uh, from Filmer West Vineyards uh, quite a good time as always thank you for an extraordinary experience very illuminating it's nice to learn about wine from the inside out from the beginning to the end so obviously we'll be uh we'll be at the other end of this uh, about a year from now and you'll come back in we'll, we'll see you before that i'm sure but, <laughs> but uh, right good okay good thank you so right. much yeah, thank you for having right, us thank you all right here we go i'm daedalus how that's takeshi lewis that's enough show that's enough that's, i'm done man you're done i'm out of here how oh, fine you find me at dhowell.com <laughs> go give us all your money at pillheadmovie.com <laughs> Oh, that's you right. Can, yeah, you guys you have to support our Indiegogo. We're making a movie. Yeah, so check it out at pillheadmovie.com. Uh, okay. Um, should I play Rock and Roll Suicide? Or? Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Little David Bowie. Take us out. Time takes a cigarette, puts it in your mouth. You pull on your finger, then another finger, then cigarette. The water wall is calling, it lingers, then you forget. Oh, 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 you're a rock and roll suicide. You're too old to lose it, too young to choose it. And the clock waits so patiently on your song You walk past the cafe But you don't eat when you've lived too long Oh no, no, no You're a rock and roll suicide Shit breaks the snarling As you stumble across the road but the day breaks instead, so you hurry home Don't let the sun blast your shadow Don't let the milk float rob your mind They're so natural, religiously 